you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome to the science of success. Introducing your host, Matt Bodner. Welcome to the Science of Success, the number one evidence-based growth podcast on the internet, with more than 3 million downloads and listeners in over 100 countries. In this episode, we discuss a proven way of overcoming the self-doubt, negativity, and insecurity that hold you back, and we show you how to ultimately become your best self using a unique and unlikely strategy. We look at legends from pro athletes to MLK and uncover how they use the same exact strategy to get into the zone when it counts. We discuss all of this and much more with our guest, Todd Herman. Do you need more time? Time for work? Time for thinking and reading? Time for the people in your life? Time to accomplish your goals? This was the number one problem our listeners outlined, and we created a new video guide that you can get completely for free when you sign up and join our email list. It's called How You Can Create Time for the Things That Really Matter in Life. You can get it completely for free when you sign up and join the email list at successpodcast.com. You're also going to get exclusive content that's only available to our email subscribers. We recently pre-released an episode and an interview to our email subscribers a week before it went live to our broader audience. And that had tremendous implications because there was a limited offer in there with only 50 available spots that got eaten up by the people who were on the email list first. With that same interview, we also offered an exclusive opportunity for people on our email list to engage one-on-one for over an hour with one of our guests in a live exclusive interview just for email subscribers. There's some amazing stuff that's available only to email subscribers that's only going on if you subscribe and sign up to the email list. You can do that by going to successpodcast.com and signing up right on the homepage. Or 
If you're driving around right now, if you're out and about and you're on the go, you don't have time, just text the word SMARTER to the number 44222. That's S-M-A-R-T-E-R to the number 44222. In our previous episode, we discussed how our guest helped secret agents become more creative. We looked at specific strategies to navigate personal change while empowering and using your imagination. How do you become more imaginative? What are the keys to sparking imagination and creativity? And how do you use creativity to get through challenges and setbacks? We discussed all of this and much more with our previous guest, Beth Comstock. If you want to unlock your creativity and imagination, listen to that episode. Now for our interview with Todd. Today, we have another awesome guest on the show, Todd Herman. Todd is a high-performance coach and author of The Alter Ego Effect, The Power of Secret Identities to Transform Your Life. He's the creator of the 90-Day Year, a performance system which is designed to create results for business owners fast. He's worked with Olympic athletes, entrepreneurs, and leaders, including members of the Spanish royal family. He's been featured on the Today Show, The Good Life Project, Inc. Magazine, and much more. Todd, welcome to the Science of Success. Man, I'm excited to be here because it's refreshing to talk to someone who values evidence and the scientific approach to success as much as I do. Well, that's awesome. And, I, and that's one of the reasons that we wanted to have you on the show, Todd. You know, we were kind of getting into this in the pre-show. And so I wanted to just jump in and, and start recording. Let's expound on on that that topic. You know, one of the yeah. things that that I was telling you is huge for me is is, you know, there's no perfect way to resolve anything or really find the truth, right? And, and you know, in, in this life, nothing is certain. But one of the one of the m- mental models that I like to use is this idea that, you know, science and data is one of the best mental models for predicting outcomes in the world. And, sure. you know, it gets proven wrong. It's not perfect. Yeah. But I really think it's, it's at least in my experience and, and my research, one of the most useful ways to think about personal development. Yeah. Well, I mean, the way that I think of it too is, does this exist in nature? I think nature is the ultimate litmus test of whether or not if someone is sharing an idea, whether or not it's got some sort of you know truth behind it. Because if something doesn't exist in nature, then okay, we, we need to really look at it then because nature is, you know, that's where we come from. So there's up and there's down, there's inside, there's outside, there's there's dualities. It's like the idea of balance. Balance does not exist in nature. Like there's, it's trying to bring something back to an equilibrium, but this idea, say in the personal world where you have to have balance, well, why? Like based on what evidence do we need to have balance in our life? Because it does not exist in nature. So why are we going to conform and try and constrain ourselves into a model that just, just does not exist? And, you know, many people create rules in their lives that are literally designed to force you to struggle. And balance is one that's going to force you to struggle and possibly beat yourself up. So I agree with you 100%. That's really interesting. So, you know, obviously, we're going to get into into your book and talk about some of those ideas. But before we do, this idea of balance is kind of interesting. And I like it's a little bit kind of controversial. What would you say the alternative to balance is? And how would you think about or for listeners? Sure. What should they seek instead? And how do they do that? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's just understanding that, especially for the people who are trying to strive, achieve, really like explore a lot of what their capabilities are. There are times when you are going to be throwing yourself 
out of balance in order to achieve that because you need to be pushing past comfort zones or just, you know, in order for anyone to achieve something, there needs to be a level of focus on that change that needs to happen, which means you need to be giving up focus on other areas of your life possibly. So for example, I mean, right now I'm getting ready to launch this book that I have that you know, spent me, took me years, years to write. And now of course you're in that, you know, messaging where you're trying to get it out there. And it's so important to me that I have to take a look at all of the other fields of play that I stand on in my life, right? With my family, I've got three little kids, my wife, friends, hobbies, and I go, okay, so I can't launch this thing out there and get it to where I want it to get it towards or get it to by continuously, you know, still meeting up with my friends every single week. Like there's just things I need to cut out. So now all of a sudden people go, oh, well, that person doesn't lead, isn't leading a balanced life. No, no, no. It's by choice. I've chosen something else to be focused on in the next 90 days. So just it's really helpful for people to understand so that you don't beat yourself up saying, oh, man, I've been working so hard on da 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 and I'm not seeing my friends. Yeah, but if you choose to do it, now you're not going to beat yourself up over it. So the idea that I have now, I grew up on a huge farm and ranch in Western Canada. I live here in New York City now, which is, you know, the center of ambition on the planet and on the farm. It was such a great model for me to grow up inside of a because like I said before about nature, you learn about nature and what's what truly, you know, does work and doesn't work. But also there was no idea of work life balance. We lived where we worked. So I never thought that dad wasn't coming home from the office. He was out in the field. So integration is far more important to me. Now, how does that practically play out? Because I know that one of the things that you do really well on, on the show is you actually give people practical <laughs> advice as well and not leave people like up in the clouds. So for me, how this plays out, well, how could I take that idea of now my family where I definitely work a more white collar-ish job, right? I'm sharing ideas, I'm coaching, I'm advising, and I'm you know putting on events and things like this. Well, how can I integrate my children more into this business? So how it plays out when I do my live events and I have, you know, hundreds and thousands of people who might come to them, Molly and Sophie, who are Molly's six now and Sophie is four and a half. By the time they're aged two, they have to come on stage with me and they have to sing something to the audience. They have to, you know, recite something to them. They have to do something. So I'm, I want to integrate them into this to, to my world. And there was one day, Matt, where, well, I had my home office and I would close the door at around seven o'clock to go in there to work. And my youngest daughter, Sophie, she was just before her second birthday. I heard her banging on the door and saying, I hate work because I just said, daddy has to go to work now. And I thought to myself, wait a second, I don't want her establishing some sort of attitude or belief or whatever the case is that work is bad. So I start my, I start every single day the exact same way. I sit down and I've done this since I was just before my 22nd birthday. I write a handwritten note and I seal the, the letter with a wax seal and I send it off. So I've written well over 4,600 letters now to people. And so the very next day I brought Molly and Sophie in with me and I have the box where all the tools are, like the letter and the wax seal and the wax itself and the stamp and all that. And I got them to unpack it for me, set it all out for me, get me ready for my day, open up my laptop for me and get me ready. Now I'm integrating them in. And Sophie's response, as soon as they had my desk all set up for me, she was like, okay, Molly, let's go. Let's leave daddy to get to work. And then I, I heard her walk out the door and she said to my wife, Valerie, 
you know, what can we work on now? So that's just like an example of, I'm not worried about balance. I want to integrate things in. How can I make everything just swim together, not keep it so separate? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I want to come back to alter egos in a second, but, but mm-hmm. tell, you know, another kind of quick experience that I've had as well. I don't really see any distinction between work and life. They're, they're just one yeah. blended thing for me. You're right. And I think it's important sometimes to have periods where you unplug from everything and, and really get that rest and relaxation. But at the same time, when I go on vacation, you know, if I go to the beach for, I might go to the beach with my family for two weeks, but during that time, I might go surfing and then I'll come back in the afternoon and I'll work on a, a financial model or, or have a conference call or something like that. And mm-hmm. I don't view that as working on vacation. I just view that as that's my life. And, you know, sometimes yeah, yeah. on a Wednesday afternoon, I might, you know, play video games in the middle of the day. Like it's, yeah. it's all one fluid thing that, that it's completely kind of interwoven. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the beautiful thing about the age that we're living in now. And it can also be a handcuff for many people. Like I'd say generation X, like my generation, we've had to kind of stand on this border and balance this kind of, we grew up in an, at the latter end of that kind of industrial age and computer age. And we started developing ourselves professionally at this huge shift that was happening where, there was, you know, you could start working from home. And I think probably my generation really has a struggle with that almost schizophrenic nature of, you know, when you work at home, like when I first started my business, I actually, I started it at my home in 1997. And when I told people that, that was back, that was back when people thought you were just basically unemployed (laughs) if you were working from home. But this kind of great area that we live in now is we have this fantastic choice and I think some people struggle with the idea that they might, you know, that they're not being productive or efficient if they're not always working and that, you know, work happens between nine and five. But now the shift has happened where you work whenever you want to. Now, there is no defined time where you need to be working. And if you want to go play video games at one o'clock in the afternoon, do that if that's the way that it, you know, kind of feeds you. So some fun stuff that we all have to navigate. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting quandary. But I wanna I wanna make sure we have some time to really dig into into your book. And so mm-hmm. I wanna transition and talk about alter egos. So the title alone really begs a question or, or makes me think. And I'm curious yeah. what exactly are alter egos and why why did you decide to write about that and why are they so important for personal development? Sure. So there's many reasons and there's many powers to it, but you know, alter ego was first mentioned in 44 BC by Cicero, the great Roman philosopher and statesman considered to be one of the greatest of all time. And the term itself in its root form truly means the other I or trusted friend. And when you think about just how we all need to navigate life and be successful, there's really no denying the fact that having a phenomenal Rolodex and having great relationships is extraordinarily powerful. In fact, I mean, of all the studies that talk about happiness and and joy and fulfillment in life, every single one always has a component of relationships playing a huge or massive part of that. Okay. So that's at the external space. But this idea of an alter ego being a trusted friend internally in your mental game you know, I've played between the six inches of the years now for 22 years working, like you'd said in the in the intro with Olympians and business leaders and public figures. And many, many people struggle with that 
inner voice that will beat them up <laughs> or stop them or create resistance. And what an alter ego, again, with that trusted friend, now you're bringing an ally internal to help you navigate that with more grace and allow you to bring those innate qualities that you do have that might be not showing up in your performance to leverage the idea of an alter ego and bring them out onto a field of play so that you get the results that you want and you're showing up like you know that you can, but in some way through your current kind of self, there's some sort of resistance that's happening. So I got into using alter egos myself at a young age when I was playing, I played football and I kind of highly recruited and went on to play college football. I was also a nationally ranked badminton player as well, and which typically don't people don't think of those two going together, badminton and football. But when I would go on the football field, I would channel my what I called my inner Geronimo. I'm a massive Native American fan and buff, and I created this kind of tribe of warriors in my mind. One was Walter Payton. Another was Ronnie Lott, both Hall of Fame football players in the NFL, and then this tribe of like Native American warriors. And I brought them all together, and I just called that entire composite Geronimo. And so when I showed up on that field, Todd didn't play the game. Geronimo did. And Geronimo, I was, you know, six feet and like 156 pounds soaking wet. So I could easily get caught up in the fact that I was, you know, not a big guy, but Geronimo would never have those thoughts in his own hand. And I channeled the strength of those people to bring my, you know, performance to a level on that field. And for myself, I'm always trying to find whether it's, you know, someone like you, Matt, or it's an athlete or whether it's an entertainer, the core of my work is to help someone get into the zone and flow state where there is no judgment. You're just so caught up in the process. And when you're in that experience, you're literally allowing every single ounce of your capability to get out of you in that moment without any sort of restriction of negative self-talk or whatever. It's, it's a massive allowing that's happening. And an alter ego was one of my top tools that I would go to when working with people after I started my business to allow them to get out on the field and to kind of carry this forward. When I started my business at the age of 21, I looked like I was 12, Matt. You're actually very similar. You, you've, got a, you've got a young face too, I definitely right? do. Oh, yeah. And, and I don't know about you with your experience, but I was so insecure about how young I looked because I was going out there and I was talking about mental game and, you know, I didn't have like a degree in psychology. So I was concerned about my credibility because of the, my lack of a degree or something, but I wasn't really talking a lot about psychology. I was talking about, you know, the biology of things. I was talking about kinesiology. I was bringing together all these different worlds, but fundamentally it was my, that was one of my strengths. I was really, really good at developing my own mental toughness, which allowed me to, to perform at a high level. And I was then good at teaching it and breaking it down for people. But it was stopping me from getting out and, you know, marketing myself and, and getting the message out because I was so insecure about and caught up in my head about how young I looked. And then one day I was just like, wait a second, I wonder if this idea of Geronimo could help me you know, in business. And I was kind of reconciling and I was like, well, you know, Geronimo is pretty aggressive. You know, that doesn't really work for business, but is there someone or something else? And it dawned on me that all the people that I thought were, you know, confident and smart and articulate and all these things all had glasses when I was young. So I thought, well, why don't I leverage that? And, you know, I'd put on my helmet when I went on the football field to channel Geronimo. But then when I went, what, what could I use to kind of trigger and signal this 
you know, confident and articulate and decisive self in business. And, and the glasses was going to be my tool. And I'm going to get to the power scientifically behind this in a second, because it leverages a psychological phenomenon that we all carry with us. And so that's what I did. I went to Lens Crafters in West Edmonton Mall in Edmonton, Alberta, where I was living at the time. And I went to the optometrist and I uh, got a pair of non-prescription glasses. And this is like in the late 90s when wearing glasses wasn't a cool fashion thing at all. Everyone was getting LASIK eye surgery, trying to get away from glasses. And here I am walking in and the optometrist is giving this you know, weird look at me. They're like, you don't need glasses. Why are you getting glasses? I'm like, can you please just shut up and give me the glasses, please? And so that's what I did. And I would put those on and I would step into my Superman version of myself in business, just like Superman would put on his glasses to become Clark Kent. I did the reverse. I was putting on the glasses to be the Superman version of myself for business to carry forth the traits that I most wanted to show up and stop feeling so insecure. Now, what this actually leverages, because we want to talk about evidence, is this phenomenon called enclosed cognition. So human beings carry with us this sort of phenomenon that we have clothing and things that we wear, or in society, there is clothing and there are artifacts and totems that signal to us an idea of what that thing is all about. So a lab coat or a doctor's coat or a police officer's uniform. Now, the fascinating thing about this is when you put that thing on yourself, you will actually enclose yourself in that same meaning and you will cognitively start to act through those traits yourself. We all have maybe a power tie or we have like a shirt that we put on that makes us feel good. That's why that whole idea of, you know, look good, feel good, you know, behave good or act good works. It's actually proven out with science. So the Kellogg School of Management did this really great study where they brought in a bunch of students into a room individually. And there was, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, Matt, but there's like this little puzzle that you can do where a bunch of boxes and in each box is the word of a color, but then it's colored in a different color. Have you ever seen those before? Yeah, I've done one of those tests before. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like the word green, but it's colored in yellow. And then the word blue, but it's colored in red and, and so on. And there's probably like 25 of these on a grid. And they brought these students into a room and they wanted them, they were going to test them on their accuracy, their attention to detail, the amount of mistakes that they were going to make and the amount of time it was going to take them to say all of the words because our brain processes the color first before it processes the word. And so it's a real kind of mind trick. So anyways, they brought them in and individually they would go through this and they would track them. And so, you know, that group gets done and they record all the data. Then they bring in another group and they hand them a white coat and they tell them that it's a painter's coat and they get them to do the exact same experiment. So then these people leave and they bring in another group, hand them the exact same white coat, but this time they tell them it's a lab coat or a doctor's coat and then they do it. Okay, so what do you think the difference was in the results between the painter's coat and the plain clothes people? I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, I think the painter's coat would have maybe made people feel more creative. I'm not really sure. That's right. You're dead on. That's mean they're more creative. However, does being more creative help you for that specific task? Probably. No. Yeah, it probably hurts that, you. Yeah, it, it actually it actually didn't. And and what happened was they had the exact same results as the plain clothes. So there's no effect that happened. However, the people who wore the lab coat or the doctor's coat made less than half the mistakes as everyone else, and they completed the task in less than half the time. So what happened? Well, they enclosed themselves cognitively into the mindset or the actions, behaviors of someone who is detail-oriented, right? They're methodical, they're careful, 
they're studious, all things that we associate with someone who might be in a lab or in a doctor's coat. Powerful, this is like a powerful little phenomenon. Well, me as someone, like I'm a practitioner, Matt, I'm not someone who wrote the book because I found this idea. I've been working with people one-on-one for, you know, 22 years now. And, you know, I do group stuff, I do events, but I still do a lot of one-on-one. And over the course of my career, I've worked with people over 16,000 hours one-on-one. And when you work with people one-on-one, and when I'm, I'm paid to help people perform better, right? Like, you know, in the professional athletics world or Olympic world, you're not going to be able to work with people on a consistent basis if you're not actually making a difference with people's performance. And so my biggest issue, and this is what I appreciate about your podcast, is that there are so many ideas that have been spread from the personal development, self-help, leadership world for a, so long that are not rooted in real evidence. Like they're nice ideas, lovely ideas. It sounds like I would really want that thing to truly work, but they don't oftentimes. And so the alter ego taps into the one thing that we truly are gifted with as human beings that makes us unique on the planet. And it is our creative imagination. Einstein said it, that our imagination is more powerful than knowledge. And our creative imagination is truly our gift to handle the world and handle it with more grace. But we can also create a world inside of our heads that can hurt us, right? We can create a heaven from hell or a hell from heaven. We have this fantastic ability to create story and narrative in our minds. That's what we do. And an alter ego is like the back door into our creative imagination to fight against the other part that we have inside of us, which is, you know, Carl Jung would call it the shadow self, you know, in the book, I call it just to give it a more, to give it kind of the thematic, the theme that I have rolling through the book, I call it the enemy and the enemy can pull us into the shadows. And what does it do? It uses things like resistance, which can come in the form of, Hey, personal trauma. You know, there's a lot of people who've had some tough things happen to them, me included. I've had, or there's people who have, you know, imposter syndrome, that idea that they always are discounting their achievements and what they've achieved in life or their wins that they've had. And they're concerned about, you know, people finding them out or not having enough skill yet. And it stops people from taking action. And, you know, there's any one of a number of different forces that stop us, doubt, worry, the judgment of others, right? And an alter ego can more gracefully move past that and, and really pull those qualities and traits that are really actually in the skills that you have inside of you out past it and onto the field for people. And so for me, you know, I love diving into in the book, like just the history of them, who has used them in the past. A lot of people would be surprised at, you know, who has used them to leverage this idea and, and pull the best of themselves out there. The, like I was saying with the enclosed cognition, the science of how to use this to activate things. I was using the glasses to activate specific traits and step in that kind of inner business Superman. And I, uh, I'll tell you a quick little story if you don't mind. I was doing a speech in San Antonio, Texas. It was a leadership event back in 2004. And I mentioned the idea of alter ego and, and glasses and how I have you know perfect 2015 vision, but I use glasses and use glasses when I started out to be very intentional about who and what was going to show up on that field for me. And afterwards, this lady came up to me and said, listen, Todd, I, I loved your talk. Specifically, I really liked your story around how you use glasses. And it's funny because Martin never needed glasses either. He had perfect vision and he had non-prescription glasses too to help him, you know, do the hard things that he was out there doing. And what's important to note is the Martin that she's referring to, when I looked down, if you ever saw her name tag, her name is uh, Coretta Scott King. It's Martin Luther King's wife. And she was telling me and went on to tell me that 
he would step into what he called his distinguished self because he felt like he was leading such an important movement and on such an important mission that he didn't want whatever insecurities that he had gathered up over his life to get in the way of that mission. So he put on those glasses as a way of stepping into his distinguished self and do the hard things to continue to move that mission and movement forward. And so I kind of share that story in the book and many other people that have used it and, you know, along with just the science of what you're tapping into inside. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring the right person takes time. Time that you often don't have. But you shouldn't let a time crunch get in the way of finding the right candidates for your business. That's why LinkedIn is the best place to post your job. In fact, I was on LinkedIn Jobs this morning looking for candidates to fill a key role in one of my businesses. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with hard and soft skills you're looking for so that you can hire the right person quickly. You can look for things like collaboration, creativity, and adaptability, looking beyond just work skills and resumes to connect you with the candidates who are a perfect match for your business. That's how LinkedIn makes sure that your job post gets in front of the people you actually want to hire, because they have a much better ability to get a deep insight into exactly who is the right candidate for you and your business. Find the right person meant for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want, and the first $50 is on them. Just visit linkedin.com slash success. Again, that's linkedin.com slash success to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. It's so fascinating, and, and there's a number of different things that I want to unpack yeah. out of this strategy, this whole notion that you have these kind of physical triggers or tools or totems, as you call them, mm -hmm. is really interesting, and I've never come across that or thought about that as a strategy, but it makes so much sense, and it's something that I think is very eminently applicable for a lot of people as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, how often have you heard people talk about the power of intention, right? 
it's you yeah, know so all the time I, yeah all the, all the time right and they and they say it and i always thought okay well that's a lovely idea but then once i got into this work more and you know even before matt we were talking about the power of like just integration and you were saying how there is no difference between for me and like work and life it's all just one thing there have been a lot of shifts and changes in the psychology world in the last few years there you could basically say that it has been disrupted massively because a few of the fundamental pillars that have made up the philosophy of psychology have been basically brought to the ground because those old studies have been proven to be non-replicatable but one of the one of the things that has been shifted for the longest time the psychology world had always kind of spread the idea or message that fundamentally the healthiest human beings are the ones who see themselves as a single self. That is broken now. In fact, there is more evidence showing now that the people who think that there's one single self that you carry around all of the different fields that you go and you live in typically have a very, very high level of or propensity towards having mental health issues. Because life is about context. And, and now an extremely fast growing area of study in psychology is this theory of multiple self theory, which is that understanding that we live contextually, right? Like, you know, Matt, who you are with me right now is of course going to be slightly different and different than who you are when you're at home or when you're playing sport or when you're with your family or, or you know, significant other or whatever the case is. There are traits and parts of our personality that get magnified so that we can you know, perform to, you know, our best ability, whatever that might be. And again, it's not performing in the way of acting. It's performing in the context for me of getting a result that you want. Okay. So context matters. And so for building alter egos for people, it was always contextual. You don't build an alter ego for your entire life. The, you know, the, the Todd that shows up and has glasses on in business now, I don't bring that, you know, I've got a challenger personality type. You know, when you're working with high achieving people, you've got to challenge them because they're around nothing but yes people a lot of the times. And they're just operating at such a high level that I need to be challenging them on things. But do my little kids want that aspect of my personality at home when they just want a fun, playful, you know, get on the ground and muck around with them, dad? No. But it would be very easy for me to take that home with me because so much of my day is you know, sitting and doing this work. And so when I, you know, and I'm still a, a young dad, my oldest is only six, but I was carrying that home too much. And then I thought to myself, wait a second, I need to create context here. Who would I most like to be inspired by to show up in the home with my kids? And it was easy to go to Mr. Rogers. I grew up with Mr. Rogers, you know, the prolific children's entertainer. And I thought to myself, at my core, I know that there's a gentle self that's in there because there absolutely there is. And Mr. Rogers is such a great inspiration. So that's who I would like to most show up as or bring as a spirit into that moment. And where this came to a head for me was my middle daughter, Sophie, has a, uh, let's say, a fantastic, fantastic emotional bandwidth. She can have fantastic highs and very quickly go to a fantastic tantrum. And you know, when a young kid is having a tantrum, any other parent that's listening knows that to meet force with force does not work. You can yell and scream at them. You can challenge them and dominate them by your size, but that's not going to help the situation. And that would probably be an easy default for me. But the moment I got down on one knee 
And, you know, because it was the day before, that's exactly how I acted. I challenged the force with force, and all it did was prolong the tantrum for 15 minutes. But the next day, when I really channeled that idea of Mr. Rogers, I got down on one knee just like he would. And I reached out to Sophie, I grabbed her, I pulled her in, and I gave her a big hug just like he would. And she melted. Her tantrum went from lasting, you know, what would have been 12 minutes to like 13 seconds. And we all have this where we see our kids then run off and they're playing and it's like nothing just happened. And you're like, what? You you guys are insane. You know, but I'm not there to solve, you know, the psychology of children. I'd much rather meet it in a way that's more meaningful. And so that's the power of that in action contextually. Same thing with all my athletes. We're building the alter ego or that character or persona for that field of play. So now that's taking that power of intention and you going, who and what do I most want to be showing up as on that field to help me be as successful as I possibly can? And then it's to override whatever self-doubt you have that you can do it. Why not tap into and leverage our creative imagination and not forget about it and use it to your advantage and maybe step into your inner Yoda, your inner Luke Skywalker or Wonder Woman or whoever that might be for you. You know, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I love this notion of not meeting force with force mm-hmm. and channeling Mr. Rogers. What a thoughtful approach to dealing with any difficult emotional situation or difficult <laughs> individual. I, I mean, can you imagine if the leaders of our world that were had their fingers over top of, you know, war machines handled things with a little bit more Mr. Rogers, we, we'd probably be living, and this come, this is coming from a fairly hard-charging, ambitious person, but I can tell you that we'd probably be living in a far different world, definitely. So I want to circle back and talk about some of the struggles that people deal with and, and, and why yeah. This idea of an alter ego can be such a powerful tool because I think when I think about the listeners, I'm sure there's people listening to this who face, as you call it, resistance, whether it's mm-hmm. a trauma they're trying to overcome, whether it's self-doubt, imposter syndrome, et cetera. Yeah. How does this specifically help them overcome those challenges and those struggles? Well, you know, Matt, when when you're looking at me or my life, you're looking at someone else where you're not living inside of my head. We all do this. It's the grass. It's the grass is greener effect, right? We go, oh, I can see how that works with that person, but I've got this going on, or I can see why that person built the business up, you know, to being successful. Because, and we gloss over someone's life very easily. Human beings do that by very nature. That's just what we do. So, me as someone who's a practitioner, I'm simply trying to leverage existing things that we do naturally not fight against things like many people in the self self-help world loves to push out the idea of you just got it. like the number one tool that most self-help personal development book will typically give people leadership book is the number one tool is willpower of course willpower is powerful you know and yes we do have the power of the will the free will but it is a terrible tool to use to overcome ourselves and change why because resistance comes from the unconscious and is extraordinarily powerful. Willpower comes from the frontal lobe. And on the grand scale of size, think of it like, you know, the mouse coming at the elephant. Just good luck with that. That's why most people wear out after you can use willpower to steer yourself for a few days, a week or a couple of weeks. But over time, typically the unconscious and that resistance will win. Typically, I didn't say all the time typically it will, which is why most people will struggle. Well, if this grass is green on the other side effect naturally happens, 
Well, that's one of the things that we're utilizing when we're using an alter ego or a persona and tapping into someone and something else's superpowers. Because we look at, say, James Bond, or we look at Daniel Craig, or we look at you know Michelle Obama, or whoever it is that we might admire, and we go, oh, I want to use their traits because they just show up in an XYZ way. You're only seeing one part of that person's existence. And we're not going deep because we don't have that person's narrative and storytelling going on. So why would I fight that? Instead, I'm going to use that and help you, a client, whatever, tap into it and step through that individual, that thing that might be being used to help bring your traits out onto the field. So it's, it's, it's such a natural thing. And what you're just simply tapping into is that kind of, you know, that gloss effect that we have. We strip away all of the, the negative that that person would have had to deal with in order to get to where they are. And we're just simply seeing the positive traits that that person has. So I'll give you just a quick example too. I start off the book talking about a story that happened when I was speaking at an event in Atlanta years ago. And I was standing in the green room, just sort of pacing and kind of practicing my talk by myself. And then in through the doorway comes like the most impressive physical specimen and one of the greatest athletes of all time, Bo Jackson. And, you know, me, a Nintendo fan from way back in the 80s and early 90s, I'm like, oh my God, I played that guy in Nintendo all the time. And so he walks over to me and he's like, hi, I'm Bo Jackson. I said, yeah, I know who you are. I wouldn't be a very good practitioner in sport if I didn't know who the only two-time all-star is in pro sport history in, in two different sports in the NFL and Major League Baseball. And so he laughed and, and I said, you know, I played you a lot on Nintendo. You won me a lot of games on Tech Mobile. And he's like, yeah, hey, you're not the first one to say that. And anyways, he said, you know, are you talking today? And I said, yeah, I'm going on next, I think, but you might've just bumped me. And he's like, no, not quite. But what are you going to talk about? And I said, well, I'm going to talk to the coaches about, you know, the mental game, the inner game, but specifically how to use an alter ego or persona to really unlock their capabilities on the field. And he looked at me kind of with this like little bit of a shocked face and he kind of cocked his head to the side and he said, Bo Jackson never played it down to football his entire life. And I was like, okay, interesting. Tell me more. And he was like, yeah, you know, like when people know my history, they know that, you know, I was actually a really angry kid, you know, just filled with lots of emotion. And it sounds like that would work out well for you on the football field. But really what I did was I, I took a lot of like bad penalties. I was not the most coachable kid because of it. And it was getting me into some trouble. And one night I was watching a movie and I saw this character come on the screen that was cold, calculating, methodical, unemotional. And I thought to myself, wait a second, what if I brought that character onto the football field instead of this like angry and rageful and emotional kid, if I was unemotional and calculating and cold, that would seem to like help me out. And the character that he saw on the screen was Jason from Friday the 13th. And it doesn't sound to most people like, you know, an angry kid taking Jason out there would be a smart thing. But again, this is the power of our imaginations. It was his takeaway. It was the meaning that he took from that. For him, going out there and being more unemotional was going to help him perform better. And so that's what he did. He took that out there and he said, I'm sure you're going to talk to the kids about goals, but I had one mission and one mission alone. And that was to just destroy anything that got in my path. Now, again, in context, on that field of play called football, that mission serves that person. In business, you know, and, and this is what he did it so innately smart. That was the context. He didn't take Jason into business or, you know, into the classroom or anything like that. That was where Jason lived was out there on the football field. Same thing for me. I leave that Superman version of myself in business 
in my office or on those moments of impact that matter to business. I don't take that home to my kids. That idea of myself is inspired by someone and something else. And then what happens is Cary Grant, this great Hollywood golden age actor in the 1940s and 50s, well known for being like debonair and charismatic and well put together. He had this great quote near the end of his life where he said, I pretended to be somebody I wanted to be and I finally became that person or he became me or we met at some point. And that encapsulates just the perfect idea of this. The only thing that I would change in his quote is instead of I pretended to be, it's I activated somebody I wanted to be and I finally became that person. And if you think of it like who you are today as a Venn diagram, there's a circle on the left-hand side and then maybe who and how you want to show up on the, in another circle. And maybe they don't overlap perfectly right now with your performance, but the bridge between the two can be the idea of an alter ego or a secret identity to help bring and merge those together. And then at some point in time, you've actually become that new self naturally, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And, and I think it's important, you know, for somebody who's, who's listening, who might think to themselves, okay, so this is basically just fake it till you make it. What Not would you close. say to one of those yeah. listeners? Yeah, I mean, it's again, this gets back to the idea that people in the personal world have done a, a terrible job of messaging a lot of things. Fake it till you make it. This has nothing to even remotely come close to that because faking something until you make it, just that idea is about external. That's about trying to, yeah, if anytime you're trying to do something to deceive others or trick others, that's activating or that's that's operating from what I call an outside in approach. And you will always create, I talk about it in chapter three, a trapped self. Because anytime you're being that influenced by what's happening on the outside world, in order for you to operate on the inside, that's where you have this issue of being inauthentic. This is about really having people understand that at your core self, there is this unlimited possibility that sits inside of a human spirit and a human person. And that you are being very intentional. You're taking the power back. You're deciding and choosing who and what you want to show up on that field so that you can get the results that you're really looking for. And that your field of play is far more representative of how you think you truly can perform. Nothing beats up a person more at the end of the day than when you put your head on a pillow and you beat yourself up with, man, I wish I would have said this instead of that, or I wish I would have spoken up, or why didn't I raise my hand, or why didn't I you know, ask for the sale when that person was, it was, it was perfect fit for them. You know, there's some sort of resistance there for people, and that's being inauthentic now. True inauthenticity is when you could be doing something and you're not doing it. And I know that to be true because I've done this for two decades, and I know how people beat themselves up. You know, when you're not out there doing the things that you know you can do or want to do and something else is getting in the way, that really beats up people's self-efficacy, their self-esteem, their self-confidence. And a trusted friend, an alter ego, the other eye, to help you navigate that with more grace to bring out those abilities helps to make that happen. So fake it till you make it is, is a terrible idea and it has nothing to do with leveraging an, an alter ego to help make that happen. That's a great point and, and gets back to this notion of self-sabotage, right? This mm-hmm. idea that if you're getting in your own way, if you're if there's things you could or or want to do that you're somehow not able to, then you're you're sabotaging yourself. Mm-hmm. And instead of beating yourself up, you know, 
again, these are natural parts of the human experience. Every single person that has been listening to this, if you have been doubting this or you've been thinking like, oh, I can see how that works for an athlete or an entertainer, but how could this work for me? Here's what I want to remind you. Every single one of you, every single human being on the planet has already used this because it's a part of the human condition. It's built into us. When we were children, we all played with this idea of pretending to be Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman or a fireman or a cowboy or a nurse or a teacher or our favorite hockey player or football player or basketball player. I'm going to go out there and be Michael Jordan. That was you tapping into something that's innate. And then what happens? We start to grow up and we hear things like, you got to start acting your age or you just need to grow up. And we start to internalize growing up, meaning oh, me playing with those ideas is childish. No, no, no. There's a difference between childish and childlike. If people would actually approach a lot more of their life childlike, they would be a lot more playful. They would probably take it a lot easier on themselves and they would start exploring more of themselves and what they can do because that's what we always did as a kid. So this is not about handing people a brand new idea. I say it in the book. This is about me causing people to remember something that's already inside of you. And in some cases, almost giving people the permission to start doing it again, because you're not strange. You're not weird. You're simply joining a tribe of people that have been doing this for a very long time and it helping them to achieve things that other people get amazed by. So for listeners who want to concretely start implementing this in their lives, what would be one piece of homework that you would give them as an action step to begin that journey? Yeah, I mean, I'll give them a couple here. So one is just define which field of play that, you know, it makes the most sense for you to possibly play with this idea for. Like, and the easiest place to go to is what area of your life right now are you most frustrated with? Like, you know, it's so easy for people to think of in the context of say maybe business and going out there and crushing it or whatever it is. But maybe actually it's, you know, with relationships or with it's with your home life or it's with, you know, health and fitness or whichever. But just first start with one field of play. Don't build out nine alter egos. Start with one to start playing with this idea. Okay. So that's step number one. And step number two, what are the traits that you most want to be bringing out there. When you think of like, what would really help you succeed in that area? You know, are there the things that you admire in other people? You're like, oh, I wish I had that. That's a signal. That's a signal of your creative imagination trying to nudge you in a certain way. And so what would be those traits that you'd most like to bring out into that field? Okay. Is there anyone or anything that already embodies that right right now? Like when you think of a favorite character from a book, like a fictional character or a nonfiction character that happened in you know history or something like that? Is there someone that you'd most like to, or that you're really drawn to so that we can create form and shape? I mean, a big part of how our minds work is we're storytelling machines constantly, right? And by tapping into an existing story that's already been written, because of someone else's life or in, in nature. I mean, Kobe Bryant, that's exactly what he did with the Black Mamba. I tell the story of how he came up with the Black Mamba and where he was inspired to get that idea from a movie that he was watching. And so, so that, that kind of second step is, what are those superpowers or those traits that you most want to start showing up that's going to help you succeed? Is there anyone or anything that already has them to give you a better idea? And then, you know, as another step, it's, is there anything that you could use then to help activate that, those superhero qualities or that those traits out there, like I did with glasses or, you know, I did with the, the helmet or other people have used 
bracelets or wristbands in in sport or it could be your favorite shirt it could be a uniform that you always wear which is an extremely popular device that you know especially people in the tech space have used whether it's Steve Jobs or Zuckerberg that's you being very intentional now about who and what is now showing up because it's that final moment where we're hey when these glasses go on what ended up happening Matt was you know the the arms of your glasses they slide across your temple as you're putting them on after a while of doing this because i was being so intentional about how i was about to show up it was almost like a switch was being flicked on and off when i took off the glasses you know i was you know moving into a different self but when i put them on that switch was being flicked and i was stepping into that very specific self built to help go and win on that field great pieces of homework and and great advice Todd, for listeners who want to find you, your work, the book, et cetera, online, what's the best place for them to do that? Well, you can go to alteregoeffect.com and we have like the links to all the different places around the world that you could buy it. And again, more information, some videos on there for people to read. You know, my home base on the internet is toddherman.me. You can maybe learn more about me if you needed to, or, you know, see the other stuff that we've got going on. And of course, all my social kind of links are on there too. Well, Todd, thank you so much for coming on the show, for sharing all this wisdom, some really interesting strategies, great stories, and and really practical ways to implement this. Thanks, man. Super appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to The Science of Success. We created this show to help you, our listeners, master evidence-based growth. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to reach out, share your story, or just say hi, shoot me an email. My email is matt at successpodcast.com. That's M-A-T-T at successpodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you and I read and respond to every single listener email. I'm gonna give you three reasons why you should sign up for our email list today by going to successpodcast.com, signing up right on the homepage. There's some incredible stuff that's only available to those on the email list, so be sure to sign up, including an exclusive curated weekly email from us called Mindset Monday, which is short, simple, filled with articles, stories, things that we found interesting and fascinating in the world of evidence-based growth in the last week. Next, you're getting an exclusive chance to shape the show, including voting on guests, submitting your own personal questions that we'll ask guests on air, and much more. Lastly, you're going to get a free guide we created based on listener demand, our most popular guide, which is called How to Organize and Remember Everything. You can get it completely for free, along with another surprise bonus guide by signing up and joining the email list today. Again, you can do that at successpodcast.com, sign up right at the homepage, or if you're on the go, just text the word SMARTER, S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes because that helps boost the algorithm that helps us move up the iTunes rankings and helps more people discover the science of success. Don't forget, if you want to get all the incredible information we talk about in the show, links, transcripts, everything we discuss, and much more, be sure to check out our show notes. You can get those at successpodcast.com. Just hit the show notes button right at the top. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success.